live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino. It's Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch. I, I'm not a judge person, man. I, I take everybody for, for who they are and how they speak and treat me and other people. That's it. And I'm not even going to judge if you don't wear deodorant. But if you don't, you stink. Just just, 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 just greet me from afar. On ESPN Las Vegas. You gotta wash your ass. You must. You gotta wash your ass. You must. You gotta wash your ass. You must. Hey, Funky! Yeah, Dell the Funky Homo Sapien making an appearance. ESPN Las Vegas. Throw the flag. Gooch, Willie Ramirez live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook, Treasure Island Hotel and Casino. We might have the biggest show that we have had since this show's existence. Since it made its way on the scene, Willie Ramirez. This week we got... Slam dunk champion D. Brown, who supplied one of the greatest moments ever when I was a young child, when he did that no-look dunk. It blew my mind when a, a nine-year-old gooch couldn't believe it. Then you got, this is a good get, Angela Johnson-Reyes, comedian extraordinaire, went viral, has got millions and millions and millions of hits on YouTube, uh, fans all over the world. And then we got our own... Steve Cofield, he's going to be calling in, giving us some UNLV updates as they'll be playing later today. What's going on, Willie? I'm, I'm really excited. I know you are. I know you are. But here's the thing. We'll get to how excited you are in just a little bit. But when I walked in, and Mateo, you could back me up on this. Willie, he, okay, he, he, he wears his hoodies. That's no, that there's, there's no secret that Willie's got a hoodie on. But, but it's when he had the hoodie over his head, and there was, like, shadows over his eyes. Um, I, I really thought I was looking into the past. I, I thought I saw long hair, and I thought I saw Willie Will for a second. What's going on? This is a good day today. Today's a good day. Mateo nailed it. He, he was like, he's like, Jesus, Willie's all loped up. Yeah. Kind of like a blast from the past, feeling a little thuggish. I don't know. It just I love cold weather. I'm seeing all these ridiculous comments on social media like, you know, oh, well, you don't really appreciate the 115-degree weather until it dips to the 40s in Las Vegas. No, I don't think so. I love 40-degree weather. I love 50-degree weather. I love, you know, I, it, I don't mind it. I went hiking the other day, 41-degree weather. Yeah, it's I mean, not bad. And, but uh, the shade, I, I, you know, I used to be a shades wearer. I'm not really a shades wearer now. I think it's because it's older and my eyes are crap. And I, I might as well be legally blind without the contacts. But I am a big fan of Burberry. Okay. I'm not a big fan of their price tags. <laughs> Jordan surprised me. Jordan, my son, he said, get down. I need you to come stop by the gym whenever you got a chance. I got a surprise for you. I was like, okay. Jordan gave me some Burberry sunglasses. Hey. So... I've been wearing the Burberry sunglasses, so yeah, with the hood up and the shades on, it's a, it's a little. Was this bit... this week that you just got them? This week? Yeah. Okay, yeah. you just been sporting them around. Mm-hmm. All right, on. Yeah. Yesterday was. See, funny. now when you talk about it, though, now he's not woke up. Now he's like proud papa. He's yeah. like, eh, my son has enough money to buy me Burberries. Yeah. <laughs> now now you've dope. totally lost your glow. Now, now you totally lost that tough guy glow. Now it's just kind of like, you know what? Uh, cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, guys. Yeah. Yesterday. <laughs> Yesterday I had a different, and, and I got the perfect hoodie on, right? The perfect, uh, perfect gym hoodie. Mm-hmm. Yesterday I had the, the, uh, the, the naked. 
I guess, is the tone that he calls it, right? Because it's like a skin tone. Mm -hmm. I had the naked with the shades and some perfect shorts. Today I got the blue perfect shorts. But but, uh, I had James, our engineer, I was like, yo, take my phone. I'm just going to walk through the casino like this, the walkway right here. Just just get some candid shots, even though they're not candid since we're setting it up. (laughs) So we had to do a little mini photo shoot with the Burberry shades. Because I like to send them to Jordan, and he likes to promote with the perfect hoodie. Right. And then, of course, I'll do a post at some point. Lindsay can attest to this because she's followed me on Instagram. And I'll do some post with some crazy caption or whatever. Just, you know. Just to get it out there. Well, you know, yeah, just to. Let everybody Some know. Some kind they, of feel good kind of thing. Highfalutin. I don't know about highfalutin. It's just more like you know. I don't know. You just showing off. I guess. I get it. I yeah. get highfalutin it. Highfalutin is like like it's not about the Burberry as much as that. That was personal, like from Jordan. Me, it's more just it was a perfect photo moment. Mm-hmm. So I figured, let me take some different shots. Get some get get build up the photo library. And then later on today, we have. Your favorite comedian. You have been talking about this comedian for weeks. I think since like week two. Yeah, since now we started listen, the show together. Now, Angela Johnson, Ray, now she, she, her popularity is from one particular bit that a lot of people may not realize, but it resurfaced when TikTok hit off because all of a sudden manicurists and pedicures, people, they were. They started using this and then doing the lip sync. Right. Right. So if you're unfamiliar with who Angela this was the bit that made her famous. But these ladies, they're so nice. You know, they make you feel like it's all about you and customer service. You know, whatever you lie, we do for you. As soon as I walk in, they greet me right away. Hi, honey, what you need today? Oh, um, can I get my nails done? Okay, honey, do you lie pedicure too? So, yeah, she... Let me just say this. Yeah. When I saw that, okay, I had a girlfriend back in the day. She showed me that. I was like, it's pretty funny. But I was like, it's funny. But that's because I've never been to a nail salon. Mm. The reason I believe Willie loves Angela so much is because he loves going to the nail salon. <laughs> is, there, is there any truth to that? No. No. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's just that it's so – here's the thing. It's very accurate. Yes. She's not mocking in any way, shape, or form the nail salons that are owned by an Asian family or an Asian person or whatever right. it may be, right? But it's, the, it's almost like she's, she's bringing the impersonation out of her, the, uh, the rich little out of her by impersonating a dialect, a, an accent. And, but there's a, little, there's a little hint of Don Rickles in there. Yeah. Right, because at the end of that bit where... She complains about her finger being, well, it looks crooked, and, the, and then all of a sudden the attitude changes of the manicurist, and she grabs her own finger and looks at it, and she goes, no, honey, that's, your finger goes like that. She goes, oh, that's funny, because when I walked in, my finger didn't do that. <laughs> and then she starts fixing it, and then instead of talking to her, the manicurist talks to her person in a different language, and then, like, 20 seconds later, she looks at her and she goes, oh, she said you're very pretty. But, but it's so accurate when you go into those salons. And it's, so it's not, it's not in any way, shape, or form mocking any race or anything, but it's just it's a very good imitation. It went viral. And I like her just because, you know, here's another thing, which we're, we're going to bring up to her. She reminds me a lot of Sinbad. Sinbad? And here's why. Sinbad, was her, his father was a preacher. Now, I, know Sin, I knew Sinbad back from way back in the day. From a couple of different um, introductions and meetings and so on and so forth. I didn't know him like I pick up, hey, what's up? You know, but we knew who one another was. Right. 
And he was raised by a pre his preacher father. He vowed to never swear in his routines. Never. I, and I'd seen him up. I'd seen him open for Luther Vandross. I'd seen him when I wrote some stories and went backstage and talked to him at the, uh, at the old Hilton, now the Westgate. Vowed not to swear. Didn't want to disrespect the family. And he also felt he, did, he didn't ever disrespect Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor. He said those guys laid the foundation, but he didn't need to. Angela Johnson grew up very religious. She's a huge follower of her faith. She's married to a Christian rapper. She does not swear in any of her routines. Yet she is so funny. If you remember, there was one time we were talking about earlier in the season, I guess, this season's, right, one of our first few episodes. I was like, when I drive down here sometimes to get, to get in a good mood, aside from checking in with Lindsay and calling her when I leave my house, I will put on YouTube and listen to comedy bits. I listen to Don Rickles from back in the day, old Johnny Carson. But I put Angela Johnson Reyes on. And she's just, she just, she's just very funny. All right, man. So I'm excited. I can see that. Yeah. And, you know, and this is the thing, too, with you were talking about her style. There's something about comedy. Just like you said, you have to keep it respectful, but you also have to have a little bit of bite to it. And it just seems like all the professional comics that make their way to Angela's level have that. They yeah. can still make that joke. You can do a little ribbing like the Don Rickles, like you mentioned, but you still have to be able to tight, walk that tightrope. Yeah, and she does. She does it well. She does it without offending anybody. She 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 makes fun of her own heritage in a way. She, um, you know, she talks about her family. She incorporates it. There there's there's a great video clip of where her dad was in the audience one time, and uh, she talked about him. Right. So I, I she's just she's just a very good comedian. So I am ecstatic that we finally got her on. I. I I reached out a couple of months ago, and then I timed. I, when I reached out at the time, when I first said I want to get her on, I didn't have any idea she was coming to Las Vegas. So I was like, I just want to get her on. I think it would be great. I think com comedians are, work great on sports talk shows, and this is a little more than sports talk, right? We have some, we have fun on this show. She used right? to be like a Raiderette. Like she used to be a Raiderette. There's a tie in there. Um, then when I found out she was coming to Las Vegas, um, I was like, yeah, we got to do it closer. So she's going to be playing here at the Treasure Island next Friday. That's another coincidence where I felt it helped sort of jumpstart with her PR team. And, hey, we do a show at Treasure Island. Right. Like, this is not a tie-in with Treasure Island reaching out to us. Can you get this? Like, this has nothing to do with it. I'm a big fan of Angela Johnson Reyes. I wanted her on, and then it just all tied in together. So it made the pitch a lot easier. There it is. You did it because you did it with your heart, Willie. I did. It was very genuine. I try to be a genuine person. I get that. Sometimes I can be. Sometimes I can't be. Most times, if I care about you, I am. Right on. Well, I think that always – I think just. I think that just makes life easier. Well, right? it does. Yeah, kindness works. You know, I mean, it's like if you're genuine, you kind of stay to yourself. You're never going to – go to bed angry at yourself, right? If you always made sure that you went the path that you know you should have went down instead of letting somebody else push you in a direction. Yeah, you're about to you're about to um, sort of enter a world of where kindness, you have no choice. You'll always be in a good mood because you're going to enter fatherhood. And it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're the first person that has ever seen you're always going to be in a good mood. You are. Always. Yeah. Because the, the cons that come with it, what? The late nights, the not sleeping. That's the, what I the, think. The poop on your hands. That part, I can wash it off. That's all part of it. I can wash it off. Yeah, dude. When, that, when, when your kid smiles at you and that first giggle, 
at whatever age it is. Oh, it's a wrap. It's over. It's done. Get over yeah, here, man. Done. I can't remember. Did we do a gender or you're going to do yeah, a surprise? Yeah, I, I got uh, my son. He, he's coming. He'll oh, be here. Over. He'll it's be here in a couple done. of weeks, you guys. It's weeks. Done. I it's might over. not be here in a couple of weeks. It's I don't know, over. dude. It's all over. Just That's, let me know. Just hopefully in five years we're still doing this, and then I can help out. Like it'll be Uncle Pops, and I'll come yeah. over, and then and we'll be like at the T-ball field, and I'll well, dude, I want some of that to rub off. I want some of. Your son's energy to, to rub off on my kid. Like, I want him to be driven, and I want him to have pecs and abs. Can that happen by, oh, by age two? Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. 100%. <laughs> All right, listen, we are off and running. When we get back here, it is Throw the Flag on ESPN Las Vegas, Gooch and Willie. We're live at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. We are going to welcome to the shore show former NBA slam dunk champion, former Boston Celtic, D. Brown. I figured if we're going to take you back with a slam dunk champ, we might as well take you back with Nucleus. I'm Uh, excited about this. Do you remember how excited I was when you told me we were going to get this guy? Yes. I was stoked. I was stoked. I'll never forget it. I was probably nine years old. When this guy pulled off one of the most legendary dunks in NBA history, and my mind was completely blown. We ready for him? He's coming. He's coming. I'm, t- I'm texting with him now. We're okay. going back and forth, but he is. No, we're coming. I, I, you know, it's interesting when you think about the, the evolution of the slam dunk contest. He transcend. He, he sort of was in that era from, like, the, the, uh, the Jordan, Michael Jordan. Dominique. Yeah, Kenny Skywalker. It was like that. Was, that era of the dunk contest meant so much because they were actually doing new dunks. Like I remember when Jordan just like the dunks that are so commonplace today. When they were done for the first time, all of us, all of us kids, we we thought we were watching the X Men. It was nuts, you guys. It was nuts. Uh, the Jordan pump from the free throw, and then obviously the toe tap with Harold Miner that came a few years after this. This next guest right but and and the thing is is you have they took it to the next level to where it the highlights right yeah the the, the no look the dwight howard um things like that and and so now it it that's that's that era to where now it's like okay what could they possibly do that's why i think it's fallen off because we had all these creative minds and what they were doing and they've and it it's sort of just like we had someone jump over a car. Yeah. You know, you, you had the people jumping over people. And, and when, you so, saw, when you saw him jump over the car, was that even exciting? It well, really wasn't. At the, at the time, maybe it, it, it might have been. But See, when I saw, I think the, the dunk contest hit its peak with Vince Carter. Like when Vince Carter did the reverse 360 windmill, it changed the whole game. And then the, game, and then the dunk where he hung, hung his arm in the rim, it was like the guy did – the guy blew our minds, and I don't think anybody's been able to do that since. Now, I've seen some pretty amazing dunks. I've seen behind the back, 
that was pretty amazing. I mean, we've seen some pretty awesome things, but for the most part, now it's just some guy putting on a cape. And he does a 360, and we're supposed to be like, oh, wow, he did. Yeah, we've seen the 360. Yeah, but he's wearing a cape, guys. He's wearing a cape. It's just, I don't need it. I don't need it. Show me, show me unbelievable athleticism. That's what the dunk contest is all about. And the next guest was the one who did that. He, he, he brought originality to it, and the game and the whole contest was never the same after him. Well, and yeah, that's the problem. It's it, and and so now you know, like I have fun watching the WNBA skills competitions because they've come up with some things. It's it's very hard because you have these world class athletes with, which you know they're capable of doing. But again, what can they possibly do to top what we've seen before? That's what I'm saying. Like when you were talking about uh, the skills competition, there, there you go. And that kind of proves my point. It's like, well, we've already seen kind of everything the human body can do when it comes to a basketball on a rim. Now we got to have some cones set up to see, get some dribble drills going on, get a passing drill going on, and the WNBA is doing that. And I see that, I see that competition taking off into the, with the NBA as well. Like I see a handles competition. Like I would love to know who's got the best handles, Kyrie Irving or Steph Curry. It's like who. You know, those kind of competitions are fun because you're not going to see that in a regular game. And it kind of settles any kind of argument that we may have among, you know, as fans. Yeah. And, you know, who would you who do you think today like today? Like if you were to take today's NBA stars and take them back to when we hadn't seen all that, like who's going to thrive in the old school slam dunk competitions? Well, I think pretty much every Everybody that's a dunker in this in this day and age would soar earlier on. But you got to understand, there was an evolution that took place, you know, back then. When D. Brown did this, when, I mean, not D, yeah, when D. Brown did that Noah dunk, that was in the that was in the '90s, man. And it was like the, the the way athletes train totally changed after Michael Jordan. So guys like Dominique and and Jordan and D. Brown, it's like those guys were like freaks of nature. Nowadays everybody's doing that training regiment, so now the athleticism is off the charts. So when I look at a player from today's day and age who, if he just went to back into the 90s, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking Ja Morant would just blow the roof off. All right, well, joining us right now on Throw the Flag, Gooch and Willie, ESPN Las Vegas, it is former NBA slam dunk champ, former NBA great D. Brown. D, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, guys? How y'all doing? How's everything going this morning? Oh, can't complain. You know, beautiful day on the East Coast of the United States and Florida. So, uh, definitely enjoying life. Excellent. You're in Jacksonville, correct? Yes. Yep. Back home, hometown. Hometown Senior Associate AD, University of Athletics Relations, at his alma mater in Jacksonville. So, my co-host has been excited since last week when you had you had messaged me and said, "Hey, I can't come on this week. How about next week?" Um, and when I, he, because he looked at, I said, we're going to try to get D Brown. And he said, D, wait a minute, D Brown, the, the former slam dunk champ. I was like, yeah, great guy. <laughs> D, I'm telling you, man, when I was nine years old and you did that no look dunk, all of us, we couldn't believe what we were watching. We thought maybe you fell in like a back of toxic waste. And then like all of a sudden you came out a superhero or something. It was bonkers. But when you like, when somebody like you, and again, you have to admit, can you admit this to yourself? I don't know how humble of a guy you are, but can you admit this to yourself that that dunk changed the way the slam dunk contest was viewed from that point on? I am very humbled about that, and uh, I've heard that a lot. 
Um, he was saying I'm kind of the godfather of the marketing trend that started the dunk contest. Obviously, with the, with the we were pumping up my shoes and yep. you know just uh, playing to the crowd a little bit more than people did in the past. After that, you know, people were like, hey, you kind of started the shoe wars between Reebok and Nike at that time, and you know, everybody started like, you know, hey, we want to get pumps, we want to get Jordans, whatever shoe. At that time, everybody was trying to wear. So, yeah, you know, listen, I don't want to take full credit for that because I just think it was. Uh, I didn't do it for that purpose. I did it trying to win a contest. I wanted to get an edge on the rest of the competition. So, uh, but you know, again, if, you, if, if it's something that we could talk about thirty-two years later on a positive note, that changed a lot of people's lives and perception of the dunk contest and myself. One thing about today's W, uh, one thing about today's NBA players, when they dunk, dude, they're doing dunks that you were doing in the contest, D, in regular games. What do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? <laughs> guys are more, a lot, maybe more athletic than we was back then. A lot of those things we do now, and they did, you know, I mean, if we did in the past, and they can do now, we can use props. But that was one of the rules in the, in the, in the contest back in the, in the early 90s, late 80s, that we couldn't use props. We couldn't jump over people, use chairs. So our prop was what we had. My prop was my shoes. So, you know, guys are so athletic. You see the guys doing the things they do in the games. I just heard you talk about John Morant, how spectacular and dynamic he is. You know, the, the talent level, the athleticism of these players, 6'2 to 6'10, is amazing. Speaking of D. Brown, former NBA great, slam dunk champ with Gooch and Willie on ESPN Las Vegas, throwing the flag here from Treasure Island. And, D., speaking of Reebok and pumping them up, you are still a, a, involved in endorsing and spokesperson. You got me to buy some shoes. I, that, you, you put some stuff. Let me tell you. So, 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 Gooch, to put in context, I wrote a story. I covered his daughter, Lexi Brown, when they were out here for Athletes Unlimited in February, and then did a follow-up when she came out here with the L.A. Sparks to play the Aces for Athletes Unlimited's website. D and I got on the phone, did, he gave me some quotes, and then we, he came on with Cofield and I. So we started following each other. So now we go back and forth, you know, us OG fathers and proud dads yeah. and whatnot. <laughs> and uh, we, and, and you, you, by the way, you missed the intro that I had for you because I had Nucleus Jam on it playing, so I figured I'd put some old school jam. But, um, there you go. He yep. threw some Reeboks up there. They co- they combined with Popsicle, like the brand Popsicle, okay. so the colors yeah. of the shoes are... Bo- and I, I wanted the grape. Flavor. Yeah, I wanted the grape. I ended up buying uh, red and orange. I was like, hey, does this, if I go uh, off this link that you're sharing, does it yeah. does it help you? He goes, yeah, click it. So, uh, But you're still with Reebok. Oh, yeah, I've been with them for, for 13 years, and Lexi's a Reebok athlete as well, my daughter. So it's been a family. It's been very, very supportive of me, all things I've done over the last 32 years. Uh, you know, I was one of the two guys that, you know, essentially signed almost like a lifetime contract, you know, like Iverson, uh, where we're, I'm still doing things with them. I, I go out and, you know, wear the shoes. I got, I can't even count how many pair of Reebok pumps I have in my, my closet, in my garage. It's, it's a lot. I'll just say that. So. <laughs> and Reebok's been great because now, you know, everything's retro. Everything is classic. And you can't get more classic and retro than with Reebok. So that's the big thing. And the collaboration, you know, there's, you know, Popsicle, there's Kung Fu Panda, there's Jurassic Park. Uh, you know, there's so many different collaborations they've had over the past two or three years. I think, you know, again, to wear with jeans and to, you know, just kind of rock out on the casual wear and just hang out with, I think Reebok is still the best brand. 
ESPN Radio Las Vegas. We got former NBA great D. Brown spent eight years with the Celtics. Slam champion, supplied us with tons of memories. So let's talk about the Celtics for a second, D. They have been embroiled in controversy as of late. Lost their coach, the one that got him all the way to the NBA Finals, Ime Adoka. Now he's with the, with the Nets. There's, there's talk of him signing with the Nets. And it's like, what, what is your take on that, especially, especially with, that, with that scandal and, and how it all transpired? Well, I mean, I, I think it's sad for both parties. You hate to see an organization go through that and have to deal with things like that. And you hate for a coach, obviously, you know, uh, I guess part of his morality calls to have to, uh, you know, go through that and, and the decision he made. You know, obviously, he's, uh, you know, said that, listen, he made some bad decisions and, and, and he took the consequences for that. But you never want more to sort of translate into, you know, obviously, you know, coming about something about somebody's, you know, moral compass or you should do this and should do that. Listen, it's, it's, it's part of sports, it's part of work, part of corporate America. Um, but I think the Celtics have done a great job of, of you know, dealing with the distractions. Uh, Bill Zuma has done a great job of, of filling in, having a relationship with those players. You know, Jason Pimps having an MVP caliber season already early in the season. Uh, so, again, adversity is always going to bounce. There's different levels of adversity you're going to get during the season. With injuries, deaths in the family, uh, coaches getting fired, players getting traded. It's how you deal with it and bounce back to it. I think the Celtics have done a good job so far early in the season. D. It, this week, obviously, the, the big headlines, unfortunately, taking away from some of the great stuff that we're seeing, Bucks are still undefeated. Um, you know, a lot of the teams that are playing well, rebounding off a rough first week, Kyrie Irving. Um, you know, I am a person who, as a reporter, I'm big on freedom of speech. I'm not big on hate, and I'm certainly not anti-Semitic, and I don't agree with his take, but... I, there are just there's there's I, I somewhat feel what Kevin Durant was saying yesterday in terms of how the whole situation could have been handled differently. I don't know how much the Nets could have kept it quiet with social media these days. You know, you didn't have to deal with that back then. I'm just interested in your take on this whole situation involving Kyrie Irving. Personally, I don't know if he should have been suspended for freedom of speech. If you disagree with him, that if the Nets disagree with him, disassociate yourself and maybe cut him loose. You don't want him part of the organization. But to suspend him for speaking his mind, if that's how he feels, that's how he feels. I don't necessarily think the apology was necessary because I don't think it was genuine. Yeah, I, I just think you know, freedom of speech is very, very relative. There's bones to it. You know, working for employer, um, working for uh, companies that obviously endorse you and, and you're working for the brand manager. Uh, they're responsible for their brand. And I understand that part. I'm all about freedom of speech. But I'm also, like you said, I'm not anti-Semitic. I'm not anti-hate. I mean, I'm not hate speech. Um, you know, hate speech at, at any level is wrong. Um, but again, I'm, I'm listen. I don't get into judging other people and, and, and what they think. You know, I know how I how I live, you know, how I conduct myself. Uh, you know, Brooklyn Nets had to make a decision on their organization. I can't make a decision on their organization. Uh, you know, Kyrie's a grown man. He's very intelligent. Um, you know, like you said, things could have been said or interpreted different ways. I think Kevin Durant said. And I just think that's what it comes down to. And, and, again, this this has been a lot of situations – you know, going across the board with the quote-unquote uh, council culture. Um, and it, it's such a bad precedent across the board. You say something wrong or you something somebody doesn't like, you know, uh, people have the right to, to not agree with you because
you know, to me, because you don't like something that means you're believing the same thing else believes in, that means you're anti them. Um, and I think that, you know, we've got to do a better job of, of really being more empathetic about humanity, about other peoples, about their religions, about their races, uh, about their, their beliefs uh, on an everyday basis. If we could do that a little bit more, uh, I think, uh, you know, we could have conversations. Like we could talk about it and get to the, you know, why, why do you feel that way? Why do you say that? Instead of all of a sudden being, you know, hey, we're, gonna, we're just going to you know, point you out and, and make you an example. I think talking and listening, to me, is, is, it always solves a lot of problems. Um, I think we, we, we we're not do that. We don't do that enough. We don't listen and talk to each other enough as humans uh, because it's not a race thing. It's a human race thing. And I think we're humanity at this point right now, you know, uh, you know it, it's just to a place right now where I think it's unhealthy and we got to get back to, to, you know, talk about you know each other, not talking at each other, not trying to destroy each other. Uh, so then we also get back to the question that, listen, how he made the decision he made. Uh, I'm not judging him one way or the other. I don't condone anything that has to do with anti-Semitism, anything at all. Um, And hate speech is hate, no matter how you look at it. And and, and I think just we got to do a better job of educating everybody and ourselves on how to deal with that situation. ESPN Las Vegas, we're here with D. Brown. D. we're up against it, but we got one more question we want to ask. So first month of the season is in the books. Bucks look amazing. But as a Celtic, are you loving what's happening with the Lakers right now? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hate listen from from the, the way you answer the question. Being a Celtic, yes, I hate what's happening to the Lakers. Of course, I do. Uh, <laughs> I cannot lie that I don't. But you know, you 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 you, you we always talk about this whole legacy of LeBron, and I still, his legacy would his legacy still be will still be you put it, his resume at the top of anybody who ever played the game. Um, and you think there's a lot of things going on in L.A. You know, they're dealing with the, 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 the Westbrook issue, which I don't think is an issue. They're kind of figuring out. They don't have any shooting. You know, obviously they got a – not a rookie coach. You know, he's a new coach, but he's a rookie head coach. There's a lot of – and it's L.A. Like, there's so much pressure on championships. The same way it is in Boston, you know. And, you know, the one thing that I, and I said earlier, that Boston not making excuses. They, they went through some adversity. There's things, things going on. They figure out how to figure it out. I think the Lakers will figure it out. Hopefully it's not too late for them. Um, and, again, you know, you, you, you want competition. There's a lot of parity in this league. Milwaukee Bucks are like a strong favorite to win a championship. But they win, lose two, two or three games in a row. All of a sudden, everybody's saying they're vulnerable and they can be beat. So, again, this is how you want the league to be. There's no clear cut. This, this team cannot be beat um, because there's so much talent to spread around the league. Lakers will figure it out, you know, uh, you know, and, you know, you know, the Laker fans, you know, they're not patient. <laughs> Just like Celtic fans, they're not patient. So they want this to happen yesterday. And if it doesn't, it's going to be a long season for all the, all the Laker fans. Well, D, I appreciate you taking the time out again for us. Uh, former NBA great, slam dunk chunk, D Brown. Uh, do me a favor. Let Lexi know that. Now that it's officially, I wear hoodies all the time, but I bought her apparel. I bought Ty Young's apparel. I bought uh, some, some of the other WNBA players. When they come out, that I support them because uh, we all know how much 
there is disparity when it comes to endorsements and money and so on and so forth. But uh, I've been wearing Lexi's T-shirt to, to, to the yeah. gym. But the hoodie's getting ready to get broken out in, in a fashionable sense. And because of the colors that are on there, I'll be able to wear them with my Popsicle <laughs> Orange Reeboks. And, and I'll throw it up on the gram and tag you both. But I appreciate you as always, D. Much love to Lexi. And I enjoyed, by the way, the interview with you two on ball players. If you haven't checked that out, it's a nice little quick little uh, IG reel ball players put out the other day. Father daughter interview. That's on IGD. Appreciate you joining us on ESPN Las Vegas. Have yourself a blessed day. And you too. I appreciate you. Appreciate your support. Love it. All right, D. D. Brown. Always great to talk to D. I mean, ever since we hooked up, like I don't know, six months ago, we have. It's like we we talked for the first time, Gooch, and we. We just instantly connected from an OG dad sense when I said that right. because he started talking about Lexi. I started talking about Jordan. We were, and then he knew that I had – or he had heard more that I had been writing and supporting Lexi. So you automatically have an appreciation there. And he's just a he, – dude, if you follow him on, on social media, he's just a great guy. Well, I mean, you just look at his credits. I mean, not only was he a basketball player, he's been an executive with many other teams. And I wanted to ask him about the holistic player performance, but we didn't get enough time. But, dude, this guy has been everywhere. He's extremely educated. You just heard it. Yeah. Dude, just yeah. keep killing it. Like, keep, keep, keep killing it at life. Dude. Yeah. And, he, and you know what? He's, he's a mentor to young men, whether it's in the NBA. He's been a mentor in the Magic organization. And I'm going to tell you right now, his daughter, she's got two degrees from Duke. She's just making her way through. I mean, she's got bigger things ahead of her before or after her pro career, after the WNBA, I can't wait. You heard it here first. Lexi Brown will be a GM with either an NBA team or a WNBA team, guaranteed. When we come back, Gooch is throwing the flag. It's Willie and Gooch for Treasure Island on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch on ESPN Las Vegas. Got to let it simmer. Got to give the kids the Wu-Tang. What's going on, guys? Throw the flag back again. Golden Circle Sportsbook. ESPN Radio Las Vegas. Gooch, Willie Ramirez, and it is time for my favorite segment, Throw the Flag. I get to pick the intro music. I get to pick the topic. So here we go. We just got off this issue just maybe a few minutes ago, but I want to bring it back. I'm throwing the very first weighted flag in the face of Kyrie Irving. Although I was disgusted by his anti-Semitic beliefs, I don't agree with the suspension because it will make him a martyr to his idiotic supporters. More on that in just a little bit. But this man grew up as an educated world traveler, and somehow he saw how Kanye West has destroyed his reputation, and Kyrie was like, you know what? Hold my beer. He starts posting a video supporting blatant anti-Semitism. They don't suspend him right away or as fast as some would have liked. So they give him a chance to apologize, which was one of the worst apologies ever. And (laughs) it was extremely weak. And he's still kind of stuck up for his anti-Semitic views. And the sad part about Kyrie is he's one of the coldest point guards we have ever seen. All the proof you need is that the Nets still signed him to a big contract after that moron blurted out that the earth was flat. (laughs) It came out of his dumb, dumb mouth, and he still got a contract because that's how good he was. But, dude, you can't look past things like this. Again, like, I don't agree with the suspension, 
but something needs to be done. Kyrie, I can't stand watching young guys blow their career thanks to social media. Just get off your get off your soapbox and just focus on your game. Uh, I'm also going to throw the flag at eating establishments because, Willie, have you ever been to, like, an eating establishment? I'm not talking about a place with, like, servers. But you go there, and let's just say you buy a sandwich, and you put in your card, and immediately they want you to leave a 20% tip. The 10% tip. Remember back in the day when 10% tip was considered normal? Now they're encouraging you to pay 20% tip right off the joint. And the thing is, is look, it's not the fact that I don't want to give these workers a little bit extra money. I'll throw in a dollar. But 20%? You've already raked the high. You, you've already raise the price of your food already now i got to make up that price and pay your employees as well like when's enough enough i the the best is where you are you talking about the call-in orders you, no no not even the call-in orders i'm talking about when you just go to like a, a, like a sandwich joint oh, or yeah, whatever yeah, 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 and yeah. then it's like immediately telling you to leave 20 percent. it's yeah. like hold on a second yeah dude. when they uh the there's a couple of places i'll go to and they have the or because of the app it has my order from the last time, or if it shows that you've ordered the same thing over and over, and then at the very end, it asks for, or the best is when you at, reach the, the checkout. It's one of those ones where you, you're walking by. It's like an assembly line. Like, I'll have this, 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 whatever, and you get to the end, and they flip the iPad new cash register type thing over to you and says, oh, you just need to ask, answer a couple of questions. No, you just need to tell us whether, you, whether I'm going to tip you or not. Right, yeah. And I always hit no tip. First of all, here's the thing. I never tip on the credit card anymore. I, it's been the rule since, really since we started our corporation, and a lot of the stuff is corporate. Anyway, I never tip on a credit card. So you're getting cash. Right. So And, and to, to, to walk through an assembly line type place where you're, they're just scooping the food and at the end and then they're handing it to you and ask for 15, 20, or 25% is ludicrous. Leave your jar out there. And people, the tips will add up. But, no, I do not think that you're not serving it. I'm throwing it away when I sit yeah. down. I can't leave it there. I can, but I'm not. And they've already raised the price of the food thanks to inflation. So yeah. it's like, wouldn't that money go to your employees? But, no, instead you're turning to us to make up for what you're lacking to pay these people? Yeah. Uh-uh, dude. Throwing the flag right in your face. I'm throwing a gigantic flag at the Green Bay Packers for not trading for a wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers may be having a down year, okay? But he's still Aaron Rodgers. And the Packers are wasting some of his prime years by not getting him any help. Look, I understand that the drop-off from Devontae Adams is going to be big. It's going to be big. But you, gotta, you, you have to get him somebody that can at least catch a back shoulder pass. That's like Aaron Rodgers' bread and butter. And we all know they, they don't just replace the Devontae Adams, but there are so many guys they could have gotten on the cheap, and they failed. You could have gotten some quality guys for fourth or fifth round picks, and you completely failed this guy yet again. Get Aaron Rodgers some help. Oh, there's a lot that I could say to that. There's a lot that, you know, it's not just the Packers. There are some people, like, uh, I could throw the flag at the Raiders for not wheeling and dealing with maybe the Bears, who looks like they packed it in defensively, and I got rid, they got rid of two key defensive players. Um, they could you like, I have respect for Denzel Perryman. I have respect for Chandler Jones. I have respect for Max Crosby. And there are some guys, even though the whole pro football focus or uh, – or NFL outsiders and all these places that analytics, grade. Yeah. yeah, I love analytics. I love stats. But the grade sometimes won't grade on specific plays and coverages that move a guy into position that 
sets them up for failure in a sense. Um, I don't buy into that. So there, I have some respect for certain players on the secondary. But the fact of the matter is that stop unit could certainly use some help. So I could throw the flag at the Raiders for not trading for a defensive guy. Yeah, you brought up Denzel Perryman, and it's like, well, he's not here. Like, he's on the sideline. Like, why can't we get Roquan Smith? That would have been an amazing pick. Robert Quinn, you brought him up. We could have fleeced the Bears for those guys. That would have made a huge difference on the Raiders' defense. But I don't know what they're thinking. Maybe they're thinking they want to load up for picks next year. Maybe they thought they lost too much in the Devontae Adams trade and they're trying to recoup who knows what the reason was but i would have liked to see them add some help as well moving on to the last team i'm going to throw the flag at we're going to the las vegas raiders espn radio las vegas by the way throw the flag live from the golden circle sports book i'm throwing the flag at myself you see i hate when i know i'm being programmed to care about stuff that i have no business caring about and an article about the Raiders was featured on nba.com and for some unknown reason I clicked on it, and I immediately knew they got me. You see, why am I, or anyone that is not a Lakers fan, reading anything Laker-related to 2022? They suck. That is a bad team. It's easy to see why they suck. So why would I, or anybody else, be reading this? The article on NBA.com was asking if the Lakers saved their season by moving Russell Westbrook to the bench. I read two lines before a jolt shot up my spine. (laughs) That jarred me loose from my internet trance, and I literally said out loud, no, no one's around me. I just yelled no right into my computer. The Lakers are a bad team these days. LeBron is just existing to get the scoring record. AD will get injured at some point like he has at every season, and Russ is going to have an up-and-down season like he's had so many times in the past. They'll get good in six years from now when they trade eight first-rounders for Victor Webinyama, but until then, it's going to be sad city in L.A. Yeah, they'll be good when they trade away a ton of people for – today's top uh, um, prospects once they've peaked and then start to either they've won a title elsewhere and then bring them in instead of like it, it amazes me and I'm a Lakers fan since 77 it amazes me that this team goes for the now and then it doesn't work and they struggle for X amount of years those years they could have just been building with young prospects and it's still, and you'd still be making fans wait for the title. And this is what happens when you make a superstar your official GM. He may not be the official GM, but he's the unofficial GM. Look, we all know LeBron, when he went to the Lakers, he still was the best player in basketball, and he's why AD came. But look how much they gave up for AD. Take a breath. You good? <sighs> <sighs> you got it all out. I, I just let you roll today because there's, you know, I – I've had enough in, in talking about the Kyrie situation. Um, You've been and, doing it all week. Well, I haven't, but yet, like, because I, I was only on twice this week, but it really hit the fan after my Monday uh, show with Cofield. So I've, I've sort of just sat back and watched. But, you know, it's I have my thoughts, and it's not in, in any way, shape, or form in agreement of his, his take, but I have my thoughts on how – the team handled it, how the, the suspension, everything. And the last thing I want to do, Gooch, is is start talking about it and saying something, and then it gets misconstrued, and then it, a snippet gets cut out, and everything gets taken out of context, and all of a sudden I'm on this side or that side or whatever. Like, you know, like yesterday I was like, okay, so what am I supposed to do with my, you know, three $400 Yeezys now? 
Right. So, you know, because if you think that I'm the type of person that, oh, well, I'm just going to go burn these. Like, everyone started burning Nikes because of Colin Kaepernick. Nike jerseys, Colin Kaepernick. This, You're out of your mind. Right. I'm not burning my merchandise. I'm not going to stop wearing my merchandise because of certain things. So, I have just – so, a lot – I just – I figured let, let's let Gooch roll – and we'll go into the break, and then we'll come back after deep breaths <sighs> because Gooch has continued to win. He is 9-4. and four. I am 11-1-1. One, and one. If you're following us, we are 25-1, meaning 20 wins, 5 losses, 1 push with our picks of the week. When we come back, throw in the flag at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, ESPN Las Vegas. It's your two free picks. Come on, Chris tonight. Come on, Chris tonight, baby. Flag back again live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook, Treasure Island, ESPN Radio 1100. Gooch, Willie Ramirez. Now it is time for the gambling segment. Like Willie brought up before, we have been kicking A. He is 11, 1, and 1. I am 9, and 4. So far, I feel like we've been on fire, especially the last few weeks. I don't think we've lost like four or five weeks. Right, Willie? Both yeah, of us. This, this one feels tough. This is a tough week. This is a tough week because even the one that I have typed in to bring up, I don't know if I'm sticking with it. I may jump here. I, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm tossing it up. I'm not going to um, waffle, but I, but I will at least give the disclaimer as to the other play that I'm looking at. Okay, I so like that. Last week, I cashed in with Jags Broncos under. You cashed in with the Eagles over the Steelers. So we got a short time here. Because we went a little long with D, so let's get to it. Who do you like? I'm going to go with the Chargers under. See, they're playing the Falcons, 49-and-a-half, thanks to the Golden Circle. And no Keenan Allen, no Mike Williams. Their left tackle, Rashawn Slater, is getting surgery this week. He's going to be out. I mean, Justin Herbert's going to be able to put up some points, but I don't think it's going to be enough to cover 49-and-a-half. So I'm going under Chargers. I am going to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus the two and a half. If you can find it, if you got to lay three, so be it. Um, the game I was looking at possibly was Miami, but I'm going to go with Tampa Bay because I feel as if, and I said this a couple of Thursdays ago that I thought, well, maybe after lunch, you know, that Tom Brady had time to get back, reflect, but now he's really had time because the, after that loss on Thursday night football, came out and he said the divorce is final Giselle and I have you know bubble blah, blah, blah whatever he's really now it's it's official so he's not had to deal with lawyers or anything he's he's just focused on football and it's crunch time it's time to get busy and you're playing the defending Super Bowl champs right so I think that they're going to come in focused a little bit better they're getting healthier their defensive front's going to be able to take care of a depleted offensive line of the Rams and I just think that they're going to be able to take advantage defensively, getting Tom Brady more opportunities. Brady's going to get a chance to sort of 
show what he's been able to do. And I think he's not only healthy and strong physically, but mentally he this will be this will be the game he's been most mentally prepared for. So I like the Buccaneers minus a small number at home to get well and stay in the talks for the NFC South. That's always been Tom Brady's game is mental. It's always been focused, focused, focused. And if you take some of that away, he's going to slip. Just like any player would, right? No, absolutely. And that's, that's the, uh, that's why it's, it's huge for him because it's something you're right. It's been a part of his game for so long and he's out sort of witted other players, other opponents but he's been able to always outthink, outsmart. But this season, it hasn't been like that. He's been distracted, and you could tell he's been mentally distracted. Whereas this year, this season, he hasn't been. So, yeah, I like the Buccaneers. That's that's my free pick. I'm putting an 11, one and one mark on the line. Gooch nine and four. His play is Chargers Falcons under the posted total. When we come back, I'm hoping, I'm praying, I'm. Just that she calls in, that she's here, that she's going to be with us. It is comedian Angela Johnson Reyes. We are back on Throw the Flag, ESPN Las Vegas. Live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino, it's Throw the Flag with your hosts, Gooch and Willie Ramirez on ESPN Las Vegas. Before I was a comedian, I was a professional cheerleader for a team called the Oakland Raiders. Everybody always says that the Dallas Cowboys have the best cheerleaders in the NFL. They, they say they're so much better than the Raiderettes. I mean, that's true. Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders could dance circles around the Raiderettes if they wanted to. Hey! But if we take it to the streets, oh, hell no, this is a Raiders. Shank Shank would. How you think we made the squad? That's blood in, blood out, homie. I have a wife that loves me more than I deserve, so I'm grateful for everything. Keep my attitude yeah. to the curb, yeah. I ain't trying to be so serious. Oh, yeah. Gooch and Willie here at Treasure Island, ESPN Las Vegas. That was the sounds of Angela Johnson Reyes. And coming out of that bit, Gooch, was the sounds of her husband, Manuel Reyes. I did my research, and I saw a tweet from about a year and a half back. And she said this is her favorite song, so I wanted to make sure it was part of the rejoin. Blended it right in where it said, have a wife. So with that, let us welcome to the show... One of my favorites, Angela Johnson Reyes. Good morning, Angela. How are you? Good morning. That was some really good editing you did. I love that. <laughs> I worked hard on that last night while I was watching college football. Let me tell you. Angela, let me just say this. Willie has been talking about getting you on for weeks, even before he even reached out to the publicist. Just one day we're doing the show, and then he just brings you up out of nowhere. And he's like, I'd really like to get her on the show. And I'm like, well, she might be here in a little bit. And he's like, well, and he jumped on it. Are you a little worried? Because he is a bit of a super fan. I think he might have a tattoo. (laughs) Willie, I appreciate you. I appreciate fans like Willie supporting me making sure that I get on radio station interviews and putting my husband's music out there. We need more willies in the world. Listen, let me tell you, I, uh, <laughs> because I have been writing. My first story was published in 1987. So I've oh. interviewed some of the greatest athletes in the world. I do not get phased when I have to go cover whomever it may be in whatever realm, NFL, NBA. It's very rare that I have a fan moment and get giddy. I have been excited about this since your PR agent, since Alan reached out and said, she's in. 
So I'm just Aww, letting you know up front. Thanks, Willie. I appreciate <laughs> that. That's so cool to hear. And, Angela, I've actually used to work. Is, is Mal Hall still opening for you? I've worked with him, like, a ton of times when he's been in Vegas. I do stand-up also. Yeah, 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 yeah. He used to work in radio, so he knows a lot of my, my radio contacts and, and people. And he will be there with me um, on November 11th in Vegas at Treasure Island. He's going to be there with me again. So, Angela, I wanted to know something, and I'm sure you've been asked this a bunch, but I want to know about your greatest heckle story. And I'm not talking about you owning a heckler or anything basic like that because I'm just talking about, like, have you ever been in the audience and you're watching, like, a fellow comic get heckled and the heckle is so good that you just kind of have to take your hat off to it? Because I have a story right here that I could share with you just to clarify what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, let's hear your story. Okay, I was watching a comic, and he's on stage, and he is bombing bombing so he did the the typical desperate attempt that most comics do where they turn to uh, a little bit of improv and he's like all right guys um give me a person and then give me a place and this lady jumps up and she goes you off the stage (laughs) 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 how do you recover from that dude put it put the mic into the stand and walk away with some dignity after something like that because once you get cut that deep there's no coming back i'm sorry no there isn't i don't have any good stories like that i don't think i i mean for me personally in my show i rarely get hecklers the hecklers that i get are just drunk people who you know can't control their alcohol and they're just wooing too much um but like the woo girls you know like those girls really only hecklers that I get during my shows, thank God. Um, but, yeah, I rarely ever get hecklers, so. Speaking of Angela Johnson-Reyes, here on ESPN Las Vegas, it's Willie and Gooch. We are throwing the flag from Treasure Island, where Angela will be performing next Friday. Um, one thing, and I've been telling this, you know, I was driving in. Okay, I, I hate to keep going back to this, Angela, but just to tell you, I called my mother this morning to tell her to listen to the radio because I wanted to tell her about you. But I, you know what, remind, and I told her, she reminds me of when I knew Sinbad back in the day. Sinbad uh. grew up with his father was a preacher, very religious. You grew up Christian, you're and very conservative, and... I'm curious a couple of things, just how hard it was to break into comedy, be able to talk about things without somewhat, you know, without implementing topics. But the other thing is you do not swear in your comedy. You don't need to. You are hilarious while brightening souls, bringing smiles to people's faces. Sinbad was the same way. Mm, thank you. Thank you for uh, the the comparison. I love Sinbad. He's a good friend of mine and my husband. We love their family. Um, I actually started stand-up in a church, so it was pretty easy for me. I took a free joke-writing stand-up comedy class at a church on Tuesday night, and it was like every Tuesday night for like a month we took this class, and one of, our, one of the first jokes that I ever wrote was the nail salon bit that ended up blowing up my spot on YouTube, and I wrote it in this church class, and the graduation from the class was we had to perform at a real comedy club, and that was, like, my first experience with stand-up comedy. And, and I remember I did well because, you know, you hear the story a lot about comedians. Like, oh, my first time on stage, I bombed, but I wanted it so bad. I just kept trying kept trying. I was the opposite. Like, I did not want it so bad. I was just taking a free class at church. And I, I did good. And if I didn't do well in the class, then I probably wouldn't have done it again because it wasn't something that I was, like, chasing after. I kind of feel like stand-up comedy found me, to be honest. 
And after that, it just kind of took off for me. The YouTube video with a nail salon, and then I ended up getting my first hour special on Comedy Central back in 2009. And then now I just finished filming my sixth one-hour special, and it's unbelievable that this is my life, you know? Isn't it crazy how you went into comedy with no expectations, and yet you sound happier than 99.9% of comics I have ever talked to? <laughs> well, you know, I just, I, I love to um, bring joy. I love to be a part of medicine. You know what I mean? There's a lot of hurting people. There's a lot of just darkness in the world right now. I mean, put on the news. It's just negativity everywhere. Put Look on social media. Negativity. Like, our... All the negativity in the world is so easily reachable through your Instagram, your Twitter, your Facebook. You get text alerts of all the negativity. Like, I get to be a part of bringing joy and laughter to people. Like, what an honor that this is my job and this is what I get to do. Like, I'm just so grateful. Uh, and don't get me wrong. Like, I got my bad days, too. And there's times where, you know, I want to talk about my trauma and the things that I grew up with. And, and I'm able to bring that in a funny, relatable way where people go, oh, my gosh, my dad was like that, too, you know? So it's 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 therapeutic for me, and it's like medicine for people. So, like, what a blessing. Isn't that crazy how you just said social media is the cause of so much sadness, but it's also the cause of your success? It's also oh, the absolutely. cause of you bringing so much laughter? It's crazy how, how delicate that balance is. It really is. It's so crazy. Like, social media is what popped me off and blew up my career. And it's the same thing that can, like, take me down tomorrow if somebody decides they want to cancel me. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's the make or break, this social media. Speaking with Angela Johnson-Reyes here on ESPN Las Vegas, Willie and Gooch, we're throwing the flag at Treasure Island. So with that being said, I, I, I am beyond the, you know, as a reporter, you have to understand, like, I, I'll watch the stand-ups. And I watch over and over. Like, I, I'll watch old Don Rickles clips from the Johnny Carson, but I, like, I watch your bits. But I also love watching interviews to get to know the person. And I watched a great Q&A with you while you were doing your uh, the rapid fire, while you were signing your book. Um, oh. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. And one thing, I, two two-part question, real quick, because I want you to go ahead and talk about your book, Who Do I Think I Am, and how it helped you evolve mentally. Because as a writer, I know what it means to put words down for people to read, but how it's, it's very expressive. Because during the pandemic, I wrote about a dark time in my life and suicidal thoughts. Um, but one of the things that also stood out, with your faith so high, I was wondering, you said your biggest fear is death. And it, it, it almost came across like, wow, this is someone who grew up with such a strong faith, but she's her biggest fear is death. Talk a little bit about your book, Angela, but also about that particular comment. I found it interesting. Yeah. So my book is called Who Do I Think I Am? Stories of Chola Wishes and Caviar Dreams. <laughs> and what the title means is Who Do I Think I Am? Is Stories of Self-Identity. Growing up Mexican and American, but I didn't speak Spanish. My last name was Johnson. I wanted to be a Chola real bad. But nobody was scared of little Payasa Johnson. <laughs> and so it's like stories of, you know, growing up and finding myself. But it's also, who do I think I am to dream such big dreams and go for them? Like, it's stories of me chasing my dreams, how I got to where I am today. And, you know, the ups and downs and trials and tribulations of going to Hollywood and learning and, like, all my crazy Hollywood stories. Like, it's all in there. It's very, I'm very honest in the book. And, you know, like, my chapter six is called I'm Dating You Because I'm Hungry. You know mm. what I mean? You guys survive yep. out here in East Street. 
<laughs> the um, chapter four is called "I Love Jesus, But I Will Punch a Hoe." Gotta keep it real. Um, hey. And yeah, and I talk about my fear of death. I have a chapter called "Please Don't Die." And um, since I was a child, I've always had this fear of death. And it could be, you know, when I was young, eight years old, my best friend died in a car accident, and I just traumatized me for the rest of my life. But it's also just been one of those existential questions of, like, what happens when we die? Sure, even growing up, like, Christian, we have what the Bible says, oh, you go to heaven or you go to hell. And then I got to a place in my life where I just started thinking about what really happens when you die. Like, sure, these are some some stories that we've been told and read, and then certain things didn't start making sense, certain things didn't add up, and it was like, hmm, I wonder what really happens, because no one knows. Like, we can say what we think happens, and sure, there's been people who had near-death experiences, or I died for, you know, 48 minutes, and I came back to life, and this is what happened. Like, we have those stories that we can read about and watch movies about, but nobody really knows. And it's like the great unknown. And so unknown is scary. Any Anytime you, you don't know what's going to happen, whether it's like, oh, my gosh, am I going to have my job tomorrow? Everybody's getting laid off. The unknown is unscary. And this is like the greatest unknown. What happens when you die? Nobody knows. It's unreal. Tell us a little bit about your tour, which is stopping in Vegas. Um you know, one of the interviews that I watched, somebody asked you about the Raiders, a Raiders fan. You said, well, yeah, well, since they've been in Vegas, I don't get to go out there. You know, the, but growing up, you know, you were an Oakland Raiders fan. You were a Raiderette, which we're going to get into in a minute. Um, but now that they're here, you're going to be here next week. And, you know, two days later, they are hosting the Indianapolis Colts. Yes, I know. I'm going to try to go to that game. Here's the thing. Ever since they went to Vegas, they got real bougie. Now their tickets are hella expensive. I don't know <laughs> what happened, but I can't even afford no nosebleed ticket. So we'll see uh, what happens, but I am going to try to go to that game. Um, so, but, yeah, I like to refer to them as the Oakland Raiders of Las Vegas um, okay. because that's my team. That's where we started. <laughs> so to me, they will always be the Oakland Raiders of Las Vegas. A little separation anxiety. So I want to ask you about your tour. What are you looking forward to most as you prepare for Las Vegas? Have you per- performed? How many times have you performed in Vegas? And what are you looking forward to most about this tour? Off with the book tour and your your comedy tour and sort of your mental evolving in in sort of getting through so much um, after the pandemic. Because by the way. I was so inspired by what you said about the pandemic. So many people were blindsided by it and crushed by it. You used it to find a blessing. Yeah, man. It's, um, it's been quite the journey for everybody. Everybody's gone through it. We've all experienced it differently. And it's like, you know, depending on what part of the world you live in, you experience the pandemic differently. I remember things first started going down 2020. We were watching the news, and it was like everybody in Italy was dying. Everybody in Spain had to stay in the house. Everybody in Florida was on spring break whole time, like just wowing <laughs> at the club every night. Um, so everybody experienced it differently. But um, I'm definitely looking forward to coming to Vegas and talking about my life after COVID, things that have changed for me moving from California to Nashville, Tennessee, being a California girl living in the South, you know, lots to learn, like, I learned, you know, when you go uh, to a restaurant, you order an iced tea, it automatically comes with three pounds of sugar in it, and uh, they call it sweet tea. I call it diabetes. Like, it's just a little bit different, you know, learning curve. 
Um, so I'm going to be talking about all the things that have changed for me. And um, I'm looking forward to Vegas because every time I perform in Vegas, it's a lot of locals that come out. And I love the locals from Vegas that come out. I get some tourists, too, and that's lovely. I love to have people from all over the world. It's such an eclectic group and a show, and that's, like, the best kind of audience you want. But my favorite is uh, when I ask the audience, like, you know, who's, you know, tourists from out of town and, like, who's from Vegas? And then the place erupts. Like, that's my favorite, when all the locals come and have a good time. We're speaking with Angela Johnson, ESPN, Las Vegas. Angela Johnson Reyes. Angela Johnson Reyes. She Sorry added the, I forgot the hyphen. The, yes, <laughs> after years, she Whoa. blessed her. 11 years, I believe it was, she added the That's name. Right. All right. I did my so research. We finally earned it. Yes. So you uh, you brought up the chapter title, which, by the way, is so fantastic. I may be Christian, but I'll punch a hoe. And I, I got to ask this question because I asked it a couple of weeks ago. What would teach you a better lesson, a slap or a punch? Um. Probably a slap. Okay. Like a punch is just you got you somebody trying to knock you out. Somebody just wants you to shut up and knock out. A slap is like I'm trying to put you in your place. Look at me. Look at my face. After I slap you, I want you to look at me my face. Look me in the eyes. But a punch, <laughs> I don't want you to see me after. You know what I mean? So which oh, one which one is considered more Christian then? The slap or the punch? Hmm. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. <laughs> really well, think on that. I used to say, you know, Jesus always taught us to turn, turn, turn a cheek the other way, but turn it with your fist. You know what I mean? Boom. <laughs> Boom. Right. Backhand. All right, before we let you go, because I know we're up against it, and, and you promised us 15 minutes, but real quick, um, we are on ESPN, so we do have a sports audience. Let's talk about the Raiderettes. It's an interesting yeah. story of how you won a spot among 700 dancers, another part of an interview that I pulled out of. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. So I drove to Oakland by myself. There were 700 girls at this audition, and I had never done anything like this in my life. And I made it past the first round, and that was great. And then I did the second round, which is the dance round, and they teach you a dance routine. Now, I wasn't a trained dancer growing up. I did cheerleading since I was a little kid, so I had rhythm, and I could follow five, six, seven, eight. but I didn't know, like, all these technical terms. Like, do a pirouette, spot when you turn, like, all these things. And I remember during that audition, and at this point, there's maybe like 300 girls left. And at one point, the director gets off the stage, and she's wearing her little Britney Spears microphone, and she walks up to me, and she was like, okay, clearly you have no dance training, but (laughs) you have something that cannot be taught. And I remember that was the most powerful backhanded compliment I had ever received in my life. And it still, to this day, is my most favorite compliment I've ever received. I ended up making the squad. And we went to the Super Bowl that year, 2003. Ayo! We got spanked by Tampa Bay, but don't worry about that part. It's okay. We were there. And, um, yeah, it was an incredible journey. That's awesome. Angela, this has been so cool. I can't even begin to tell you. There's only been, like I said, um, since I started doing radio more and more and more. I'm always, I was always the guest on TV or radio in Las Vegas as the, the writer coming on, and I've been doing this now um, with ESPN Las Vegas, and this is going down as one of my favorites. I am going to be reaching out to Alan. Now, I don't ask for freebies. I always support people because I know what it's like. My son owns a gym, so I am going. I want to buy tickets. I want to buy a book, but I will be requesting Alan so maybe I could possibly catch up with you afterwards to have you autograph the book because I would love to meet you. Absolutely. I will be at Fresno State's in town to play UNLV next week, but you know what? I am going to be at the Angela Johnson Reyes show here at Treasure Island. Thank I cannot you. wait to see you. I appreciate you coming on with Gucci 
Cooch and I here, a fellow comic, by the way. Uh, throw the flag, ESPN Las Vegas, Angela Johnson Reyes. So many blessings your way. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you. I hope to see you there. All right. That's Angela Johnson Reyes. My day is made. I could just go now. I could. Uh, you finish the Wrap show. Wrap it up. I'm out of here. When we come back, guess what? It's Big Willie style on Throw the Flag, ESPN Las Vegas. Mm. <laughs> now. This one goes out to all the Big Willies. That's just going to stay the rejoin for me uh, for the rest of the... I'm anti-Will Smith. Yeah, well, that's okay. He slapped but, my hero. But you know what? You're not. You're not anti-Big Willie. Okay. I, okay. So we're going to do it Big Willie style. I'm sure there's other guys that go by Big Willie, but I'm talking about one Big Willie. I understand. Big Willie Ramirez. Big Willie Will yeah. Ramirez. I got to throw in the other... Loked out. Yeah, yeah. Loked out, Willie Loked Will out. Ramirez. Loked out, as Mateo would say. Oh, I love it. Welcome back to Throw the Flag. We are at Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Hey, get down here, man. The the uh, TVs are on. It's college football Saturday. We got the World Series coming up. We have UNLV football. We're going to be talking to Steve Cofield. That's coming up later on today, and it's going to be on uh, ESPN, right? Yes. Pre-game. We're going to have the game. Uh, broadcasting, we have Russ Langer, Caleb Herring. Cofield to be on the sidelines. Um, big sports day, obviously. Big sports weekend, as per usual. Tomorrow, I will be out at the Westgate, 8 to 9, your football preview show. You're going to be doing the watch party in the theater. 9 to noon. 9 to noon. We got prizes to give away there as well. Um, if you're out and about right now, there's about 35 minutes left in the show. Come on down. I have tickets to Monday night's Running Rebels versus Southern. At the Thomas and Mac, the college basketball season gets underway. But tomorrow, the Las Vegas Raiders, they've been away. They have not been home. They went away to New Orleans. Worst performance maybe by an NFL team this season. Mm. They stayed out there, practiced at IMG Academy. They played the Jacksonville Jaguars, a hungry, a young and hungry team where their losses maybe amount to – they yep. have a new coaching staff, too, but young, feeling themselves out, whereas I, I feel like the Raiders' two-win season is a little more distraught than Jacksonville's losing season. Um, Josh McDaniels was asked a question regarding the sense of urgency. At what point? Because you always hear, well, there's plenty of time left. There's plenty of time. How do you instill sort of the, the pressure cooker? How, how do you let your team know? He talked about it a little bit yesterday. Do we have that? I don't think adding stress is really a productive part of the process. I think we all understand the situation. I don't think there's anybody in our team or on our staff that doesn't understand the situation that we have in front of us. You know, we, we are what our record is, and we know the only way to change that is to work hard each day and have a productive process each day. And ultimately earn the right to have a victory on Sundays. I don't think going in there and uh, throwing chairs and screaming louder or uh, clenching my fists harder uh, or, or holding my breath and stomping my feet is really going to add anything productive to our football team. I think, you know, giving them uh, solutions, uh, trying to put together a productive plan, uh, coaching them at practice, 
um, encouraging them to do the things that they're doing well, better, continue to do those better, you know, as we go forward and then try to identify some areas where we can fix and tweak and try to improve our team. And so, again, I just I never have felt like going in there and raising the stress level because that doesn't really apply to everybody. Some people might respond favorably to it and there's others that might not. And so I think you really have to understand your football team. You know, I, I've seen a lot of urgency from our captains, our leaders and our football team all together. And I think that's the right response. And uh, hopefully they're, uh, they're seeing that from us as well. It's sort of like hearing parents, like different different thought processes and philosophies of parents like well do you spank do you not spank do you do you raise a strong arm do you not you know um i don't i didn't know that coaches he said well i'm not going to go in there you know throwing chairs helps i didn't know that coaches did that so um ronde barber had some interesting things to say former tampa bay star um he said this dude is not a head coach he is a great offensive coordinator probably better than most as an oc as we saw this once, I really remember this because Josh became a head coach the same year Raheem Morris became the head coach in Tampa. Raheem Morris is considered largely a failure as a head coach in Tampa. He lasted three years. He had a 10-win year, though. Josh had two years in Denver and got fired. He didn't. He actually didn't have two years. He had a season and a half. Uh, he made it to his third year. Uh, he didn't make it to his third year, yet Josh has gotten another opportunity before Raheem has gotten it. So he is basically, he's come out and saying that that Josh McDaniels is part of a bigger problem and that he somewhat feels as if it, it sounds to me like he's more lobbying for Raheem Morris in this situation. Now, I will say this, though, Gooch, I have been saying since week one that I felt people getting on Derek Carr, people on getting on Chandler Jones. They spent all this money. Where's Chandler Jones's numbers? Where's this? Where's that? Yes, the players have to go out there and produce, but it starts at the top. I still have to think. That this is a team that you bring in. Let me let me start over. Last year, Josh Gru, or John Gruden, that was pretty that was pretty rough for what those players had to endure and find out about their coach, their mentor, Henry Ruggs, R.I.P. Tina Tuntor. That was a huge tragedy. This team got it together under the mentorship and leadership. Not only of Rich Basaccia, but of Derek Carr in the locker room. He pulled it together with that team. They went to the playoffs. No other team went through what that team went through during the offseason. Now you bring in a fresh crew, Josh McDaniels, right, this offensive guru, Devontae Adams, Carr's college buddy. They're not getting it done. You're not going to sit here and convince me that this is all on Derek Carr and it's his fault and his numbers are down, so he's having an unproductive year. Who's pulling the strings and calling the plays? The coach has to be the glue that keeps the team together. That's the one thing about the Raiders. They had a reason to rally last year. This reason, I don't know what Josh McDaniels is even doing. I don't know what reasons he's giving these players to rally, but they have none. You see them out on the field. They just Sometimes they just look completely lost. Yes, and that's just it is, you know, from one three weeks, Josh Jacobs, 441 yards. Then the rushing game falls off. You know, I don't understand. I'm not an NFL coach, so maybe, hey, maybe he's doing a great job and I just don't know, and that's why I write and do radio. But from what I'm seeing out here on this side of it, again, which to reiterate what you said, this team looks lost at times. It never looks as if it has a sense of semblance. When you have arguably the best wide receiver in the game, you have a veteran quarterback who's realistically been among the leaders since he got in 
into the NFL in certain aspects, you know, uh, I tend to think it's at the top. I tend to think that it starts at the top. They really need to get together. I don't. I, I know that um, Mark Davis came out and said in a text message to Vinny Bonsignor of the Review Journal that hey, he's going to be the head coach for a while, for a while. He's here to stay for a while, and that's fine and dandy. But you better figure it out real quick with the personnel you've got and stick to that system. Well, my thing is, is how long did it take them to realize that hey, you know what? Maybe we should give the ball to this first round running back that we drafted a few years ago, and it's like finally. Josh Jacobs is exploding, and it's because I don't I don't necessarily think that McDaniels thought that that was the identity of his team, but it's clearly working. Well, and then last week, take the ball out of his hands. Take, yeah. And then what he, I think he had 10 touches, and they get shut out. So as of right now, the Las Vegas Raiders here at Treasure Island, minus two. The total is 48. They are in Jacksonville. Quick little uh, hint, if you need some betting advice from what I've observed before we go to break, Teams playing, teams that just played in London and didn't get a break. Jacksonville was in London last week, comes home. Uh, play the over on the team total. So whatever the Raiders' team total is for their points, over. And then in the second half, you go against the team that played in London because you figure the long trip back, the practice, then they put everything they've got into that first half. You go against Jacksonville in the second half. So there's a couple of betting tips. When we come back... Hey, UNLV football is in action later today. Steve Cofield is down there. He's going to be on the sidelines reporting live right here on ESPN. We're going to bring Steve on. We're going to talk about, is Dougie B back? Treasure Island, throw the flag, ESPN Las Vegas. Sam Rothstein would have been proud of you. Ladies and gentlemen, the party has just begun. It's time to talk Rebel football. There you go, ESPN Radio 1100. Throw the flag back again at the Treasure Island Sportsbook Golden Circle. Gooch, Willie Ramirez, and I think it's about that time, Willie. I think it's about that time. Is it UNLV Rebel football team? I think it is. Half past UNLV Rebel football team time. Well, the Rebels are down in San Diego. They come off a bye week. They've had three losses in a row. Their last game was in South Bend. Rough loss to Notre Dame. Um, But... They now get their quarterback back, and they're at a rivalry uh, school that should somewhat inspire them a little bit to uh, to get back into the winning track. Games at 4 o'clock Pacific. 3.30 is the pregame. 4 o'clock is kickoff. And on the sidelines, joining Russ Langer and Caleb Perring will be Steve Cofield. Steve, good morning. What's up, guys? How was dinner, first and foremost? Did you go? <laughs> Did you go? I did not make it to your place because oh. we, we had sort of planned to go somewhere else, Willie. I apologize. I'm back in San Diego for UNLV men's basketball in about a month, so I will do it then. So what's going on with the Rebels here? We got Doug Brumfield. He <laughs> is back. So that's like a huge boost in my opinion. That's a gigantic boost. And, uh, you know, when he went down, I thought that Cam Friel and, and Harrison Bailey would be fine, but they just seem to be a tick behind. We've been talking about this a lot. The offense just didn't operate at the same pace as it did with uh, Brumfield. So, listen, when the guy was playing, he was, uh, you know, a top 15 quarterback in the country, according to Pro Football Focus. Good dual threat, and everything just moves quicker uh, on offense. Now, here's the challenge, guys. Brumfield, when the offense was rolling and, you know, they put up near 60 points against North Texas, he had all his receivers. Coming into this game, their receiving core is pretty beat up, so they still have some limitations in terms of offensive weapons. And, you know, the other big question is we probably won't find out until we see them 
uh, on the field if he's dressed or not. But uh, Aiden Robbins, their lead running back, uh, also went down a couple weeks ago with a knee injury. So I would say you know, Brumfield is back today, and game-time decision for Aiden Robbins, the big running back. Can we expect to see Brumfield running a lot more since the wide receiver uh, core is just completely decimated? That's a good question. Um, here's the thing. He, he was out with a concussion, but he also had an ankle injury. So he was limping around you know, pretty decently a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm guessing the ankle's close to 100%. So I don't think they'd put him out there, well, one, <clears throat> if he wasn't of right mind and wasn't clear of all the concussion issues, and he's clear of that. Um, yeah, I'm sure they'll have some design runs. I mean, this is, a, this is also a really interesting defense because they're going against a 3-3-5, so you're getting blitzes from all different angles. So he's going to have to uh, you know, evade uh, pressure and uh, you know, get out of the pocket often. So I, I'm guessing they might have a couple of run design plays, but I think most of the running game is going to be Courtney Reese, who had a breakout game against Notre Dame, had a couple of big runs, of, you know, 35-plus yards. So it's going to be him and Jordan Young-Humphrey, and we'll see about Robbins. On the defensive side, uh, the one thing that's gotten gashed over and over, we've talked about it, is that rushing the defensive front. Um, yeah. How does it get well today against the San Diego State squad? Is, and is San Diego State going to pose a big threat against the run defense? Yeah. Yeah, San Diego State can always run the ball. And this year, you know, their offense is a little bit down. We'll talk about the passing game here in a second, but – uh, the run game is a little bit down, but they still average 175 yards on the ground. And in that Fresno game that they lost, they kind of blew it in the fourth quarter. They piled up a good amount of yardage. Uh, they don't have, you know, a 1,400-yard running back anymore, but they can run. And then the addition of Jalen Maiden, who's a you know big, strong dude who can run a little bit, uh, it's going to give them a real challenge. And the biggest thing for the Rebels, because they did get beat up, uh, you know, scheme-wise, it just wasn't a great scheme against Air Force. Um, and Notre Dame just kind of powered them, you know, uh, heavy up front and, the Rebels are a little beat up on the defensive line, so that's a big issue right now. Uh, Eliel Himere is their best defensive lineman. He didn't play in the last game. He didn't travel to the last game. So if he can play you know, maybe half the game, I think that's going to help their rotation a lot. And they do have improving players. I talked to Darius Johnson this week, who's a Juca, who's in, who's you know near 300 pounds, and he's playing pretty well. So hopefully they can slow down the San Diego State run game, and I think you want to force San Diego State to throw. Cause yeah. While Jaden Maiden is a he, you know, he's a emerging quarterback. He's still a guy who will make mistakes. Right, and that's what I was just going to ask you is to turn them into a. They're already a one-dimensional team because they rank 48th in the country on the run, but their passing game is unreal. one of the worst in the country. I think it's, it's like unreal. eighth worst, 137 yep. yards. So if if they can sort of focus in on stopping the run and force Jalen Maiden to make mistakes, it's got to be the key today. Yep, that's the key. That's okay. Jam up the run, make them a one-dimensional team, make them a passing team when they're not a passing team. And you mentioned the numbers. The 137 is a gigantic improvement. 137 a game passing is a gigantic improvement from where they were. They were routinely throwing for 80, 90 yards, and Maiden in the last two of the last three games threw for 250-plus. So he's improved them. Um, they become a much more dangerous team. And then the, you know, the biggest thing with San Diego State, uh, they're not as good defensively as they've been in the past, but they're still very good defensively. And I'm telling you, this 3-3-5, you know, uh, we're on the trip with Caleb. He's uh, the Coloranos. Caleb played quarterback at, at UNLV, and Caleb said, you know, it takes it takes a couple of trips against San Diego State to kind of get that defense. And remember, you know, even though Brumfield's got some decent playing time under his belt, he didn't get to play in this game a year ago. So going against that three-three-five is going to be tough. Yeah, dis- discipline, I would imagine, could also play a factor in UNLV's favor. Uh, UNLV tied for 53rd in the country, fewest penalties per game, whereas San Diego State, again, one of the worst in the country, in sort of forcing them into making uh, mistakes, maybe getting them frustrated, getting into a physical t- I'm not sure how they can sort of mentally get that going, but uh, 
tie for 122nd, 8.3 uh, penalties per game. So if San Diego State, you talk about Maiden making mistakes, but as far as the team as a whole with penalties, it could be it could also work in UNLV's favor. Yeah, it's been a weird year for San Diego State. They're four and four. They're two and two in conference. Obviously, the quarterback issues held them back a lot, but way too many mistakes. And then the other big key in this game and every game is turnovers. And you know, you saw I saw UNLV have some turnover issues against Notre Dame. They they can't have mistakes today. I mean, the turnover um, against. Uh, Against Notre Dame, the Ricky White fumble in the middle of the field is just is uncalled for. You know, it's trying to get some extra yards. It's to go down, brother. So they they got to avoid mistakes against San Diego State. I I expect a tight game. I I don't know about the pace of the game in terms of scoring. I usually these games are not high scoring, but uh, we'll see in this one. Maybe the San Diego State defense is way down. ESPN Radio 1100 speaking with Steve Cofield. And we're talking about San Diego State, and you were talking about just turnovers in general. But my God, they're way bad on the turnover front also uh, three of their six interceptions have happened this season and for the Aztecs 15 fumbles they fumbled 15 times this year eight were recovered by the opposing team they had two interceptions lost three fumbles last week I mean we could definitely the Rebels can can get in their head they could turn the game around real quick I mean that was you know the fact that the Rebels weren't making mistakes or turnovers and we're way on the plus side that was the and one of the big keys to the the four and one start, so they have to get back to that more takeaways. They, I will say this: they are getting, while their defensive front is you know struggling a bit because uh, you know new depth is having to play. Their defensive backfield, I think, is getting better. Um, you know they have a lot of good tacklers in the uh, in the defensive backfield. Noah Williams has had an excellent year. Uh, Jonathan Baldwin's been very good, and I don't think Ricky Johnson, who was targeted to be one of the starting defensive backs before the season. I don't think he's back this week, but he is back practicing. So probably for the final three games, they'll have a, another guy in the rotation. Um, Kilanahi, Mendiola Jensen, a Hawaiian kid who played wide receiver last year, switched to backup nickel. He's been playing better and playing more. Cam Oliver's had a solid year. So uh, if they can produce a couple of interceptions, and I think that's, you know, that is possible with Maiden. He's got a little bit of a funky throwing style and he, he does throw into traffic. So if they can get a couple of interceptions, Hell, this is a team that has two pick sixes. Imagine if they get a pick six, then uh, all of a sudden they're in this game very much. UNLV has four games left, four wins already, two needed for a bowl berth. Which ones are realistically winnable, and do you expect them to pull it off? I expect them to pull it off. I don't know if it's going to be better than six and six. I think they can win all four games. Now, I don't think they're going eight and four. Um, this game and Fresno are the toughest. Now, Fresno suddenly become really tough because they're getting back to that form that had everyone picking them to win the West and maybe win the conference overall. Jake Hayner's back, and that makes such a big difference. But that game's at home. It's on a Friday night. Uh, you know, if there's a decent crowd, I think that's going to be a good home environment. And, you know, Nevada's had a tough season. They played competitively. I think they can beat them. They can certainly win at Hawaii, but they could also go on four, right? I mean, if they make mistakes, if Brumfield doesn't stay healthy, if they can't get the run game going without Robbins, then. They could go 0-4, which I think, you know, would be, I won't say disastrous, but it would be highly, highly disappointing. Um, they can win those last two games, and I also think they can steal one of these. And I, I think they have a pretty decent shot against San Diego State today. All right, Steve, we appreciate it. So we, uh, pregame show, game starts at 4. Tell us, Remind us where everybody can tune in and hear yep. Caleb, Russ, yourself. Yeah, like you said, 3.30 with the pregame. We'll be at this new Snapdragon Stadium. I have not been in the stadium, so we'll check that out. Probably do a sideline report that revolves around food. Why not, right? I'm a little chubby. Yep. Uh, so they have uh, unique eats, so we'll check that out. But, yeah, 3.30 pregame and kickoffs at 4 o'clock. 
All right, sounds good. Steve Cofield checking in from San Diego. Smack Adam Hill in the back of his head for me, and I will see you Monday at Twin Peaks for our <laughs> Monday night watch party. Thanks, Steve. All right, later, guys. See you, Gooch. Hey, buddy. Steve Cofield checking in. So UNLV, it's is an important game for them because they're coming out of a bye week, Gooch. Um, like she said, four games left, and they need two wins to get to a bowl. Um, they're not all gimmies, but for a team that is coming off a three-game skid, coming off a bye week, and really needs a boost, the last thing they need is a disappointing showing. So this is a very important game for them down in San Diego against a huge rival. I think when you're coming back off a of bye week, it is so important to set the table for the rest of the season. If you come out and you stomp out San Diego State right off the bat after this, after this layoff and after the skid, I really do think that the Rebels can back, get back on track and just gain some confidence moving forward. And then I think they can pull off two more wins. All right, well, we'll see what happens again. 3.30 is the pregame, and 4 o'clock is kickoff Pacific time. You can catch it all here on ESPN. When we come back, we're going to close things out with the final flag. Find out who's coming over for dinner. It's Gooch and Willie throwing the flag. Treasure Island, ESPN Las Vegas. can't see it, but I'm doing it. He is. He's, I'm doing it. He's doing the video. I, all right, Willie, give me your hand, and then give me a couple of switchblades. Let's do this. That was, that was, a, that was I, I knew a couple of people in that video. Really? Probably. Yeah. Did you know the guy that did the, the crazy shake thing? Remember when he, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I did not know him, but that there was some. Uh, I used to I, be able to do that. There were Earth. some iconic, like, legendary dancers. You know, a lot of people, you think of the breakdance era, but those a lot of those dancers, they were also technical, and they did a lot of, you know, just different styles of dance, jazz or whatever it may have been, and they, they just happened to know how to lock and pop. And, and that's and Michael Jackson would always – there's one guy in particular that um, Janet used also, Sugar Pop, and he was in the um, – that's the way love goes video and it was actually the, the her bow if you will in that video and sugar pop used to be in the show splash down at the riviera you remember splash because yes. you performed at the comedy show there um and he was one of the lead dancers and it was him and his brother jason r.i.p jace and their cousin brandon and they used to come over after the show to tramps and get in the dance contest and they would and they would break and they would do routines and but anyway so there were a lot of people like that, though, um, you know, and, of course, Michael Peters, a choreographer for that video, and he did a lot of stuff. But, yeah, um, Michael Jackson, Prince, Janet, can't, can't escape that era. No, no, you can't. And I, I don't know if we'll ever be able to get past that era because I feel like that was the peak of music as far as the peak of musical popularity. Right. So, you know, given, given that era and given some of the people that we sort of admired throughout our time, we have so we're going to bring Lindsay in here too and see, and we're going to put her on the spot. But let's real quick here, each one of us, five dinner guests, dead or alive, who are we invite and Gooch, who's your five? Okay, I'm going to go with people that have inspired me in one way or another. So okay. I'm going to go with George Carlin, okay, LeBron James, Jimmy Kimmel because he started in Vegas. And then I wanted to get somebody from the Cleveland Summit. Remember that Jim Brown, Muhammad Ali, Bill Russell, and Kareem. So I went with Kareem because he's like crazy smart, insightful, thoughtful. And then I'm going to probably end up going with, oh, this, this is where it gets hard. 
I'd probably want to go with like Dennis Rodman. Okay. Because of the stories alone. Okay. Because you know Dennis Rodman, because he has no problem being the open book that he is, and then that just invites other people to open up. And I would like, I would love to know exactly like what kind of wild things happen, especially in Kareem's day and age, hmm. like the, the wild stories back in then. Oh, there were some wild ones. I'm sure. Lindsay? I came prepared, gentlemen. I saw this in the run. Now, you're not putting me on the spot, but I got uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, Emily Dickinson, the Dalai Lama, Jane Goodall, and Billie Holiday. Weak. No, I'm joking. Wow. Yeah, a bunch of weak sauce, right? Weak. Oh, I'm going to get LeBron James in here. <laughs> I, I, what was it that you guys did on the morning show and you, and, and you said Eleanor Roosevelt? I think we were doing something similar to this. It was like, who would you want to invite to some sort of dinner party or want to have like a conversation with? And I'm just a huge fan of Eleanor and all that she did for um, so many communities that nobody was talking about it yet. And she was the first ambassador to the UN and, you know, all the things. I got, I got Eleanor Roosevelt socks, so I'm a huge fan. All right, here, 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 here we go. So first and foremost, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to – because this means it's a one-time thing, right? It's a – the only time I'm gonna, I, I need to have my grandfather. I, okay, I just want to say before we even got here, Willie, you were like pr- acting like your list was the correct list. Like, no. the, it's like there was like pride in this. List. Well, yeah, there, <laughs> there's no right or wrong, but I'm taking yeah. It, for me, this is there is pride. All right, I want my grandfather there because he was the sole male role model in my life growing up. He was my best friend. Um, Andrew E. Anka, he was without a doubt one of the most respected men in this town when they built Jubilation on Harmon and every walk, you know, whether it was politics or political figures or um, the underworld at that time, the the, uh, Spilatros, um, that crew, or Metro, they all respected him because he walked with none of them. They walked among him. So he, he, and I want, I'd love to see him one more time. Humphrey Bogart. Ah. My favorite actor of all time. Uh, Prince has got to be there. Got to have Prince. Walter Payton, my favorite athlete of all time, and a great humanitarian. Obviously, the NFL Man of the Year is named after him. And we got to have some good music. We got to have some, like, I don't want to just put something on. Miles Davis has got to be there. Okay, well, you did mention Prince. Well, no, but Prince, I want there to talk. I don't need him singing. Can you imagine Prince, you know, my grandfather, Humphrey Bogart? You know, I, I need some, like, some, some music in the background. A little Miles Davis. Background jazz okay. playing. Prince is Prince is there to eat and talk. Miles can talk too, but he's going to get up and perform and do a little, you know, during dinner. Prince could do a song like he could do maybe like Purple Rain or, or the beautiful the ones. Room, yeah, oh he's yeah, picking he, he, that he, up and he's he, playing with Miles. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about that. So there's my five: Bogey, Prince, Walter Payton, Miles Davis, and my grandfather. Now, can you imagine if we got all fifteen together? Your five, Lindsay's five, and my five. That would be a tremendous conversation. That would be a huge. I cook. Right. I could do the cooking for that. Again, I, I really do think everybody would be surrounding Dennis Rodman and just trying to top his stories. And I'm sure there's so many of those guys that can. It's just they never were written in a book because back back in the days of, of, of your grandfather's stuff, dude, you took, those, you took those secrets to the grave. You didn't write it in a book no. and then throw your friends under the bus. No, those are the good old days, old school Vegas. You know what? We're going to talk some betting tomorrow. Make sure you join me. Sunday football preview show. I'll be at the Westgate. I will have some tickets, some prizes, but we're going to be talking betting. If you can't get down there, 8 to 9, we'll cover the entire NFL board. 
Lindsay will be on with us. We'll probably recap Vegas, Golden Knights, and Montreal. We didn't really talk about them, so we'll have to talk about them tomorrow, Linz. Uh They're a big favorite, and for some reason, I looked at the number today, and I was like, wow, if there's a game that they're going to get tripped up with this win streak, it might be tonight. I'm just throwing it out there, but we'll see what happens. So join me down at the Westgate. Gooch has got the watch party from 9 to 12 in the theater. If you haven't been down there, smoke-free environment, fantastic environment for football, the old-school Hilton, the Westgate now. Um, Thank you to our guest, former slam dunk champion D. Brown, Angela Johnson-Reyes. Man, that was a delight. She is going to be performing down here at Treasure Island next Friday. I will be there. Sorry, UNLV football fans. I'm not going to that Fresno State game. I am going to buy tickets. I don't even care if they reach out and say, hey, do you want tickets? I don't want them. I'm going to buy your book. And Steve Cofield. Don't forget to join them tonight, 3.30 for the pregame. 4 o'clock is kickoff. Rebels looking to get back on the winning track tomorrow. The Raiders are looking to get back on track there in Jacksonville tonight. Over on the Golden Knights. On, uh, what's 98-9. that rate? 98-9. You can hear that, Golden Knights. The boys will be calling the action from Montreal. They're looking to keep their winning streak going. Another successful show, Gooch. I like it. I like it. I'm giving us a big old pat on the back right now. All right. Don't separate your shoulder. Thanks to Mateo holding it down here. Lindsay, of course, always quarterback in the show back at Lotus. We'll be back next Saturday right here at Treasure Island. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. We do it every single week. ESPN Las Vegas with yours truly. We out. Thanks, guys.